Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of Relating to DevSecOps, where we explore the development, security, and operational issues of today so that we can talk about real-world DevSecOps problems with people that are actually facing them on the ground. If you like what you hear, please like, subscribe, and leave feedback wherever you curate your podcast so that we can bring content that matters to you. I'm Ken Toller, and today, Simon is back. For another episode, as we delve into some articles from the week, uh, we've practiced reading again and uh, gone down the path of not watching a bunch of videos and uh, and tried to find some uh, interesting articles to chat about on the show. And Simon, uh, welcome back, first of all. Uh, but you Thank sent you. over a uh, a pretty interesting article that you wanted to chat about. Uh, has DevSec, or it's not even sec, it's DevOps. <laughs> the old school word, has DevOps killed the BA, QA, and DBA roles? You want to um, just say hello again and uh, give us a little bit intro to the article. What sort of made you want to talk about it? You know, we're sort of doing, the, we're going to dive into some some current events here. This thing was written like a day ago at the time of recording. Yeah, absolutely. It's so great to be back. Uh, yeah, learning to read again step by step. It's a it's a big day for both of us, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, right off the bat, I, I I'll say I was a little bit triggered as well, not seeing security in there left out once again. Poor security, but yeah, you know, it's an article. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, always. Um, yeah, I, it was a you know a nice, quick, interesting read. But uh, yeah, I wanted to get your take on it. Uh, you know, like quick summary is you know we're moving in the cloud everything's automated everything's so easy to do and it's click buttons so you know you've got things like uh you know the ba role the business analyst role qa quality assurance and dba uh database admin and you're like why why do you need those anymore you know it's it's obsolete a developer can do it it's just you know right off the bat just like you don't need to focus on those things anymore just you know open more pods and just spin up more servers just click the button and I think one of the things that resonated with me the most is there's there's a, a kind of a, a projection graph that's on this article and it shows how much you know businesses are consuming more and more data these days or you know obviously things are growing um, and you know this case study didn't really lean towards one direction either or um, kind of provided you know a use case for do these roles still matter do they do they not? And, you know, the, the the take was, hey, the business analyst role is still important. As data grows, they need to be aware. And, you know, things are iffy for the QA and DBA role. And, uh, you know, I, I, I firmly disagree with that. I think, you know, for many reasons, those are going to last. But I'm curious, in the world of security, when you think of these names, you think of these roles and, and, and what they mean to you, maybe they frustrate you, maybe they're useful. Like, what are your what are your thoughts on that, that initial statement? Um, well, I, you know, my my take on, on these articles of like, are these roles dead? I think that it's sort of the same uh, type of mentality, like did DevOps kill the engineer or, you know, video killed <laughs> the radio star or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's... it's, it's um, Old school. I think that these functions always exist. I think we we tie so much of what needs to be done in an organization from an engineering perspective to a role. And uh, yes, these these roles are um, are very specialized. They're isolated in what they do. Um, but just like, you know, we've gone through this whole um, 
buzzword extravaganza with DevOps, DevSecOps, CICD, shift left, security, all these things. What struck me the most is, you know, security has the issue of bringing um, people on board for doing security things or performing security functions. And the entire point of this podcast is to cultivate relationships with those um, with those other business functions. And so if you look at QA as a business function rather than a job role and, you know, BA and DBA similarly, you know, you want those skills in your tool bag and I'm not a DBA. And so I love leaning on folks that are, that specialize in databases or even specific database technologies uh, to discuss security problems with that. And they're going to be much more uh, apt to uh, remediate findings uh, and to give me the best, uh, you know, feature list or remediation to a specific technology, especially in the database world, um, than any engineer is going to be able to do, uh, because obviously I'm still correcting SQL injection mistakes. So you know, it's sort of like you want those folks that specialize in these technologies, specialize in SQL and redundancy, you know, they have a different skill set and you, you want to take advantage of that. So in, in, I know I'm like sort of focusing on the database side of things, but I look at it as you're, you're never going to, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm triggered by the title, <laughs> but it, it does sort of make me smile and gets me invigorated into like, yes, you know, this is what we talk about is like, um, the, all of these roles do have value in the organization. You can't just, you know, put everything on an engineer. And I think that, you know, I don't know, well, you know, you can tell me how you feel about this, but I think that you do have two schools of thought in product engineering, uh, in the developer world, the developer that says, you know, I can do everything. And, uh, these, you know, these roles are meaningless and I can, I could do database and QA and do it all or whatever. Yep. Uh, Full stack to the extreme. Yeah. And in, in the same way, that you have security folks that are like, you know, I can do all the security things. I can do pen testing and I can do crypto and this and that, but there is so much nuance. And we, you know, it's the, the people that I love working with are the people that recognize where they're strong, where they might be weak and aren't afraid to learn from each other. And I think that extends across job roles, job functions and all of that. And so, it, you know, the, the article, like you said, sort of walks that middle line all the way to the end, highlights the pros and the cons of each of these roles. And I think that uh, to me, a lot of the cons came out as like the the uh, author self-admittedly being like, well, you know, I it comes down to, I think the synopsis at the end was around communication and, you know, these other non-skill-based problems with those roles rather than the role itself, which is everything that we we're trying to do with like the whole idea of people processing technology and DevSecOps. And this, even though it's only three roles or job functions in that buzzword. I think that the spirit of this podcast and everything that we do is around capturing all of those roles into all of these functions and figuring out how to, how we can lean on and help each other in the world of automation where things are sort of getting more and more merged. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's sort of where I went with the article in my head. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think you might be secretly more triggered than you are. That's, that was quite a response, but <laughs> yeah, I, I I think we're we're so hell bent on roles and like what is your purpose that we're forgetting the the bigger aspect of that, which is communication. And I love that you mentioned SQL injection, right? It's it's something that is very simple to avoid, yet we still have that problem in twenty twenty one. 
And, and I think it's easy for someone who doesn't have full context of a company to say, well, you know, I see or hear the word SQL, our, our database expertise is not there. Let's, let's get more DB admins or, oh, we, we don't need that. We have a bunch of smart engineers. Let's just train them. You're, you're avoiding the problem, which is the, the quality of your system. And, and I think that's where the communication is messed up for, for what I see is like, yes, like we have this problem, but who's checking that? Security is identifying that and that gets marked. And who is reevaluating that day to day? Has this been fixed? You know, I, I don't think it's on security to have to harp on these problems day in, day out and say, hey, I know you haven't prioritized this yet, but maybe maybe next month, maybe the month after. And, and that's where I think you can say that, oh, yeah, we've got like this autumn, awesome testing suite. I still think you need people who who champion that and say, you know, every day, hey, developer, we still have a bunch of different areas where you have SQL injection problems. It's on my automation list and they champion that. And their their purpose is not to to build the product. It's to keep it to keep it safe, keep it up to date and listen to the other people. So I think, yes, if you're a smaller company or a startup, um, maybe you're sharing the love across and everybody's kind of doing everything. But as things grow and Again, as this graph shows, as data grows and your company gets so much bigger, you need someone whose primary focus is to to centralize on those things. So when I hear that these roles might potentially be dying, I disagree. I think they're going to evolve into something that's, you know, adjusting to the fact that we are larger and, and, and more in the cloud. Does that does that kind of resonate with you? Yeah, I mean, the when we talk, when you say, you know, the roles evolve, I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, the way that I see that is, uh, you could sort of die on the vine with like retaining your old skill sets, or you can sort of learn where everything is going. Your 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 DBA skills, your BA skills, your QA skills are going to carry over into the new technologies that we use, and it's just a matter Absolutely. of learning those things and upskilling yourself to do those. But just like when you talk about, so like I love I love this analogy from a security perspective because you know every single day. Um, I have to pretty much every, every day I have to at least learn or acquire or learn something about a new language or a new technology because, you know, whatever, um, client I have is inevitably going to be used something that I haven't used before. And that's why, like, when I look at resumes, especially for security folks that we're bringing on board and whatever, it's like. It's not necessarily about what tools you use or what technologies you've interacted with. It's more like how you've how you've worked. You know, what did you do with those technologies? What did you analyze? How did you look at them? What's your approach? Your methodology? Uh, if I if I gave you a new language today, what would that look like? Or maybe how they're related. You know, if you were a C programmer, like you know, we have a, a Rust project. Like maybe that carries over. Maybe it doesn't. Right. So it's it's more of like how they're related and how quickly you're able to pick these things up in security because you're always working, you know, through these uh, problems in a variety of languages. Whereas, as an engineer, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, um, you're for a long time, for like a period of years, you sort of establish a language that you're really comfortable with and that you're an expert in, and maybe you shift, or maybe you dabble in other languages, or maybe you're a full stack developer in one, or you know, you're 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 a JavaScript developer. But it's probably not enough for you to know a high level of 30 different languages as much as it like it is for me, as it is very important for you to know one to, I don't know, four languages very well 
in the same way that um, you know a, a world traveler might need to know 30 languages how to communicate in one thing but if you're working in hong kong you know you better you better speak like cantonese like very very well you know it's, it's like a different it's like there's a you want that so when i go to you for security advice in something like java or if i'm going to you for like how do i remediate this or what have you heard or why did you do it this way you know i want to discuss that with you um, and conversely, there are security experts in specific languages, but you know, I just don't know that there's that same type of role in engineering. Uh, so anyway, my point <laughs> is that uh, when we get to these roles like BA, DBA, QA, um, they specialize in a specific skill and I can lean on them and take the security knowledge and ask what's the best way to test this QA engineer because you have this entire testing suite that we can like work within and here's all the security tools that I use. What's the best way for me to integrate into your process that's already much further along than mine? Hey, BA person, I have the security remediation. I need to do this with uh, you know multi-factor authentication. Here's the way that I would do it. Here's my suggestion. Uh, how is this going to affect the user? Will we lose business because of this? Um, you know, what is an appropriate uh, level of difficulty for our users to go through before they stop using our service? Those are things that I'll probably agree with an engineer on in terms of like technical lift that I have to go through as a, as a regular user. But if my entire consumer base has never used multi-factor and is basically my dad who still asks me for, you know, where the AOL discs are, you know, <laughs> I'm, that's not going to really fly for him. He's probably not going to use the service. So, uh, what, you know, those are the questions you want that BA there for to talk to the users, to figure out like where it's going, that kind of thing. So it's like that skill is so valuable. And because I'm not talking to users every single day, I'm not in it. I'm not testing things in the way that QA is testing every single day in the same way that they're testing, like getting their input is so valuable to me as a security practitioner, because that makes me a better, it makes me better able to sell security services into other organizations that have similar problems. Yeah. Long-winded answer, but I think there was a point in there somewhere. <laughs> there was, first of all, your dad sounds amazing. Um, I love it, but yes, I, I think what you just said about product engineers really resonates with how I feel about security, where like you mentioned, you know, you learn a language and then that language, you know, you pick up a few new skills and you build things to that language and then you pick up new languages and you build more things. That's entirely true. But at least for me, my brain is so wired to function a certain way, which is build this thing that meets these requirements. And however that works is up to you. And these use cases need to be addressed. And like, I, I will be honest, like I've had, uh, you know, pull requests where someone will just put, you know, tests question mark. I'm like, all right, let me do my due diligence. And it's really, it's almost self-validation. I am, I'm implementing things that I know I wrote and it's going to work. And like, I'll cover some edge cases I didn't think about. And it's that like, what if it's the specialization It goes back to everything we talk about of this podcast of, of doing the work initially and getting the right resources in place and the right communications in place beforehand, because, okay, great. I wrote some tests that will break. Maybe if I break some stuff later, but thinking about all of those weird things that I didn't think about, you know, it's, it's this checks and balances of on the QA side, you know, did you think about, uh, you know, logging in a user and just not putting in a password? 
Like, what happens if you do that? Nope, I actually didn't think about that. I assumed it would just break because it's just weird and I don't want to think about that. Or, yeah, like on, you know, the like the database side, you know, uh, is there any situation where your table could lock in this weird deadlock situation? Maybe not. Like I wrote some integration tests where like I'm fetching data, I'm updating data, I'm saving data. And it's this it's this term full stack that I find is it to me is the most triggering because full stack changes every single year with engineering. You know, it used to be, hey, I can write back end code. And now it's, uh, oh, I can also dabble in front end. Now I'm a front end expert because there's these libraries that do things for me. And I feel like the latest in that world is machine learning. Like, oh, I can build this model that will recommend you the best movies because like this library did it for me. And like, I'm now a machine learning expert. And like that, like is kind of where I feel like they're like the, the buck stops is like, I, I haven't mentioned anything about being able to write great tests or understand the world of databases from something other than what automation is really providing for me. And I, I am again, so sad that security is not mentioned in this article because I, I feel like it's the same thing. Every company I've ever worked for um, is always like, there's just like a security channel. And it's like, oh, you're a you're you're a you're a full stack security person. You just know the security things, and there's so much more of that. You don't know the context of what that means. No, it's are they are they pen testers or something else? Um, and like that's I think where on the security side, this like the communication has so much more to go, like to to go from. Um, am I totally off base? No, that, no. I mean, I I'm, I'm I'm with you. Yeah, definitely. Because um, you know, there were two times in my two times that I had the exact same question in my career where I was managing a security team, uh, and I was hiring for roles, and we were sort of weighted more heavily uh, on the infrastructure security side, like um, you know, network security, and we had some red teamers like that specialized in pen testing and things of that nature. Uh, yep. And it was sort of like, you know, a five to one ratio of, you know, infrastructure security engineers to application security engineers. And uh, boss at the time was like, you know, can you just, can't you just hire uh, or can't you just have this infrastructure engineer perform this application security engineer's job? And I'm like, no, I can't because yes, we could train them up, but it's like such a different mindset and may maybe they would go that way, but they're not interested in it. Right. Or they don't really uh, touch code. And we talk about in security industry all the time, like should all security engineers or all security practitioners code? And I do think that, that we should on some level, like we should have some basic understanding of to code. To an extent. Yeah. Yeah. Whether, I mean, and I, I, that's a very loose for me, whether that's bash scripting all the way up to, you know, a full stack engineer, I think that you should have a, you know, some, some baseline in code. So that's my opinion on this, on this should security engineers code. I do think on some level you should, and if you shouldn't, it's fun. So do it. Uh, but that doesn't make you an application security engineer, and you might not want to even go down that path. Uh, you also have, you know, red teamers, right? That um, where they they focus on application security exploits, but the focus of that application security exploit is to more than likely in all the training shell the box. So they're going for depth into the into the application, and. On the web application side, you know, there's a specialty where you're being more thorough. And so how you approach those based on your skill set is sometimes, I wouldn't say entirely different, but you have these skills that you pick up, you know, throughout your career and nobody knows everything, right? Exactly. Um, 
And and so it's like you if you stop learning from the people around you, something is wrong. And I think <laughs> that you can always do that. And that's what is most triggering for me in this in this article is I none of these things are going away. I think that maybe other people can pick up those skills and maybe we don't need the specialization. But I think that it goes both ways. I think BAs are going to start picking up engineering skills and QAs are going to start picking up engineering skills, just like I expect us to be transferring more security skills to these roles as well. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. You know, I, it's just I, I really I really do think that the what the article summed it up as was that it comes down to. Uh, the, I'll just go back to the article and, and just make sure that I'm quoting it correctly. Uh, but it was, you know, looking back, I realized most of the past friction was attributable to fractured communication, restricted mm -hmm. responsibilities, such as BAs who can't do DB queries or QA folks who aren't able to view and run code. What we just discussed, right? Like you should learn to code security engineer uh, and a lack of buy-in good teams win and lose together regardless of roles and this is everything that we talk about is that if i you know uh restricted responsibility security engineers that can't code and can't read code and so when the engineer talks to them they feel like they're talking to a wall right fractured communication you know we operate in separate systems all the stuff we talked about in security training security champions education and then lack of buy-in we talk about all the time like you could have the best security tool in the world. I think Mike and I just chatted through this in the last episode. You could <laughs> yes, have you did. <laughs> the absolute best security tool in the world, but 90% of your success is going to be around adoption of that security tool and not necessarily around um, the security tool itself. So if you have the worst and, security tool and in the that market- that has nothing to do with these roles. Right. Like yes. that tool could be awesome. Like these, these roles still need to be there to support it. Yes, exactly. So- it's all of these problems that are like, you know, looking back, this is the problem it was, it was really around these three things, is the same thing security goes through every single day. And so I, you know, I live this. And so security's not going away and none of these roles are going away. <laughs> I, I dare ask, but even on the security side, would you agree? Is there anything that you feel like, I, I, I had weird using DevOps, but DevOps would potentially make less valuable? What do you mean, like that uh, DevOps would go away or that security would go, <laughs> go away as a result of DevOps? Yeah, some of these like more defined roles that exist in security um, that you think might might suffer as we continue to progress forward. Um, I don't think so, man. Like, I think that we all are going to evolve a bit. I think if security practitioners stick in their lanes too hard and they're not willing to learn from the people around them that yes their role is probably going to go away so if they are you know the network engineer that just does firewall rules and that's all they want to do and they just want to sit on their firewall and create the firewall rules and you know get all that kind of stuff their role is probably going to go away because you God know bless their soul that stuff is going Either they're really good at it and they're going to be working on the back end of a cloud security provider. So it's not a way there. Like the thing that people understand is that these cloud security providers still need to operate the same things that we're doing today. They just, you know, it's now it's, it's uh, abstracted to you through security groups, right? If you're talking about a firewall. So if you're really good at it, man, you can crush it. You could be like the celebrity of firewall rules 
and go into and just, you know, if you want to work for AWS, then you can go in there and, you know, write the rules to your heart's content and they're going to need you. But if you, you know, feel like that you like doing that sort of thing, then maybe you just need to migrate your skill set into, okay, I need to learn how to do this in um, all these CSPs. I need to learn how to do it in Azure and GCP and Alibaba Cloud and um, and AWS. And so your skills will carry over to the cloud. Uh, you just have to take the time to learn those things and grow with the way the businesses are growing. But I don't think that, yeah, I definitely don't think that there's really anything that's going to like completely go away um, in any of these roles. We're still going to need to be, not until the robots take over, man. <laughs> yes. Skynet, whenever that happens, it'll be fun. Yeah. But I, I, mean, I totally agree. And the fact that like, I can't even come up with another example of like a QA scenario or like a, like a database related scenario right now. It's just the fact that like, that's not, that's not my specialization. It'll always be around. It'll just be more complicated, which means we need those people even more. Yeah. I mean, you know, like the, the data side is super interesting to me because I do think that, um, was the article, did they say that the, the DBAs were the ones they were sort of most concerned with? They thought were most likely to go away. If I remember that correctly. Um, yeah so and, and that that honestly surprised me because the the in the in the article the most i guess like quote unquote secure spot was the ba which fair i mean you obviously want someone who's going to persist the needs of the business whether it be you know a program manager or a product manager or or an actual you know ba but you're dealing with more and more data you need people who understand like how we aggregate that data where it's going where it's living uh, I mean, that's going to get more and more complicated. And sure, we've got these awesome cloud providers, but I mean, that's not magic. People are managing that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do see that. Um, I do, uh, I do see the maintenance of. I'm just rereading that they talk about like maintenance of databases in larger companies where those things are still around are going to be, or you know, they're going to be more specialized, probably more highly paid. But, uh, you know, as things move to the cloud and that overhead decreases, sure, those database admins are probably going to, uh, you know, those roles are going to going to decrease. But I think my my challenge to that is, you know, there is an entire data um, certification for AWS, right? Exactly. So you might not be a DBA where you're, you know, managing the the day-to-day tables and you know replication and all that kind of stuff because it's handled for you but you are going to need to configure that and be responsible for that so as a dba like if i was a dba i'd be upskilling on my cloud stuff you know all the time because what's going to make me a more attractive dba to the industry is like my ability to operate on the databases that people are using and so I just don't think that that's going away. I think that, that that DBA role will change a bit, but the responsibility for maintaining those databases, keeping them up, uh, making sure that they are redundant, uh, responding to incidents, helping engineers like work with these databases will continue. And maybe they'll pick up a few, you know, responsibilities on the way just around general data, right? Um, I think that the the scarier part for me was like when data scientists 
are going to be sort of managing the database. But again, like the data scientist is all about the actual data and not about like maintaining that necessarily. Maybe they do, but like to me, it's just like their, their focus is how do we make use of this data? And the database admin is like, how do I protect and um, make this resilient and keep this running and make it available to all of the things that these data scientists and, and engineers need to use? And I think that that's an important role. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned like data scientists owning data. Uh, I've seen that. And I, I think, <laughs> yeah, no, like not, I mean, not to horrify your security brain, but I, I have seen that. And I think the biggest question there is, is why is that happening? Like, is it, are you afraid of, of sharing roles and responsibilities? Is there a gatekeeping there where, you know, I am a security engineer or I'm a database engineer, or I'm a product engineer. And like, no one else can do this. And if someone else is doing that, like I'm going to lose my job. And and that's not the case. That's something you have to realize. It's not like the second that happens and, and the universe is starting to move in that direction. That just means that if you are really interested in that field, there's going to be even more challenging opportunities for you and you should be excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's the fear of change, man. And the fear of learning, I think that, uh, scares folks because, yep. you know, you spend 10 years working towards something and you have to make this hard shift. Like I get, I get it. You know, I totally get it. Um, but it's, it's just, I, I just don't think those ro- I think like you said, the roles will evolve and change. Responsibilities will change, but they're not, they're not going away, man. Um, I think that there's value in all of these. And in fact, it's sort of given me new ideas about who to talk to from the security side, you know? Absolutely. Likewise on the product engineering side. Cool. So like any, any, what is like your takeaway? I mean, my takeaway is like, I'm going to go talk to some BAs and QA uh, and DBAs now and see like what their world's like these days, uh, you know, and, uh, and work through, work through it in that way. I will say that um, just a quick aside that I just it just popped into my brain, popped in my brain while I was talking before, but I didn't get to it. Threat modeling is when we bring these actual roles into the security conversation. And we've talked about threat modeling before. And we've said, you need to bring these people into the conversation because they're going to have insight that you don't have either as an engineer or a security practitioner. And this like definitely highlights the point there is that we need these people to be a part of the conversation so that we can make sure that all of our threat models and how we think about a product is accurate. So that's my takeaway. Yep. And my, mine is, mine is similar in different light. It's like, why didn't you bring those roles into it? And the, and the reason is those roles all matter. You just need to have the communications in place. You need to know to bring these people in and build those relationships because ultimately, even if you end up having to do, you know, some gross security stuff as a product engineer, you're going to grow from it. <laughs> I promise it's not gross to everyone who's listening to this, but it's wonderful. I love security so much. Um, uh, but yes, like you got to have those communication channels in place. These roles ain't going anywhere. Yep. Cool. So we agree. I would say that uh, the article is a bit uh, middle of the road, but I, you know, I'm heavy on the side of these roles aren't going anywhere. Uh, and I definitely agree with the synopsis, but I think I would have arrived at it a little bit earlier. <laughs> um, so I, we're, we're coming up on 30 minutes uh, of the episode. Um, we have some other articles that we are going to talk through. So we would love some insight from the audience around, uh, you know, whether you like hearing us rant about other people's 
articles uh and hopefully the author doesn't take any offense to any of this stuff but uh if if you're listening thank you for writing a great article um and also uh we have you know we didn't even get to the topic today but uh we wanted to i wanted to kick off of the linter conversation since you know you only had a chance to sort of listen to um the conversation between mike and i so i'd love some of your insight on that maybe um uh, in the future because uh we have some more articles around um best practices and Docker configuration files that I think would really benefit from the linting side of things uh, that I'd love to get into a conversation with you about uh, for containers and containerization as we dive into that stuff. I would love to talk about linting tools. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the things Mike and I got into around linting was just like, um, you know, when, when is a security tool, a security tool, and a linter, a linter, and where do they blend together? So I think we we might, you know, we don't have to do a whole episode on that, but I'd, you know, get your opinion maybe down the road. So anything you want to uh, to leave with, you know, we'll we'll try to turn these around more quickly. Um, but last words. I mean, I'm gonna end. If you're gonna end with that comment, I'm gonna end with should security be involved with QA more? Because that's that's part of the definition of quality in my books. Yeah, I think we should, man. Um, we, we talked about it in the, uh, was it the testing episode? I'll have to find that episode number, but we talked about like security needs to work with their QA team to write security tests. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> we can read, <laughs> if you forgot, the audience forgot. So we can, uh, we can <laughs> definitely do a repeat of that one. Uh, and the lessons learned we have from there. Cool. Well, man, thank you for, uh, for coming back. Welcome back. I'm looking forward to some more conversations as we uh, sort of head into the second half of the year. That wraps it up for us today. Uh, as always, if you like what you hear, uh, send us some feedback. Security at r2dso.com is the email address. You can comment uh, anywhere on any of your podcast platforms, and we'll try to get to it. Uh, otherwise, you can reach us on Twitter at r2dso. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.